Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. series uh, called Testify that we've been in today is going to be a a little bit different. And I've asked some of you to uh, be a part of this. From the very beginning, I asked you to share your story. And several of you really uh, sent me some some really cool things of what, where you were, what God did, and where you are now. And today, this is really just all about giving God praise for his transformative power. And uh, so if you were asked to be a part of this, I want you to come to the stage. So it's going to be, uh, well, I'll introduce them once they get up here. But come on, uh, let's give them a hand as they come to the stage. And this, this could have been any number of you guys uh, out there. But as they come to the stage, we're going to just have some uh, time of them sharing their story and what God's done in their life and what he's doing now. And uh, any of you guys, y'all can come and you can take a seat uh, anywhere. Marilyn, I'm going to ask you to sit right there next to me because she's my girlfriend. Uh, and uh, y'all will have to kind of pass mics uh, uh, on and off, uh, you know, as we get to where you have something that you want to say. Are y'all going to join us over there? Oh, Okay. Well, uh, well, but I, I did never talked to Chris, even though Chris has an amazing testimony. Um, so let's get you guys situated. And uh, here's a mic. It's already on. I'll give this to one of you guys. There, there we go. And y'all can kind of pass back and forth. Okay. The mics, we're going to make sure they're all on. Check, check. And uh, so here we have Rhea at the very end. Uh, Brandon. Hey. Uh, all right. Melissa. Glenna, Larry, and Marilyn, and of course myself. And uh, what I what I did basically is I just took people who had shared some of their testimonies with me, and I'm like, I had no idea, like where Rhea, some of the stuff that you shared, I vaguely knew, but I forgot. I knew like when I first <laughs> met you, kind of like what you were coming out of, but I forgot. And uh, so today, I really want you guys to share a little bit about your story. I've got some questions, you know, just to kind of guide us, but I'd love you to share a little bit about like your salvation experience. Like, um, like how did that come about? All right, before we, before we start diving deep, how many of you guys were raised in like a Christian home or a, or a faith-based home? All right. I'm going to sort of raise my hand because I'm, I'm a part of this conversation uh, as well, but I'm going to sort of kind of halfway raise my hand because I got saved when I was uh, between the age of 15 and 16, so I had a lot of child rearing that was in a really pagan home. <laughs> we were just a bunch of heathens. Um, so let me see your hands again. All right, so you were a little, little uh, bit? Yeah, Catholic. Maybe three All right, quarters. Catholic, that doesn't count. No, I'm joking, <laughs> joking, edit that out. Uh, so Catholic. Larry was, Glenna, yay or nay, rank center, no, pagan, I know you Pentecostal. were, what about you, so you're kind of like Baptist, me. but yeah, yeah, yeah they on the lower, count, you know. yeah. <laughs> no, I, all those jokes are yeah. aside, okay, just playing around, so that kind of gives us an idea of, of, of where we're coming from with people on the stage. So up here, not a whole lot of us grew up in a Christian valued home. Well, maybe Christian valued, but not practicing Christian home. Um, so that's kind of an outlook. Um, let's start with Rhea. Uh, tell us when you came to Christ. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump out of the gate. Um, growing up like I said, in Baptist home, mom would bring us to church on Sundays, but I'm going to be honest and, you know, God knows it was extremely boring for a child. It was not, 
you didn't feel the love, right? I'm sure there was, I'm not saying, yeah. you know, but as a kid, you didn't feel the love. So of course, growing up um, and how I grew up, I've kind of, I veered away from God. I even went through really hard stages where I essentially kind of turned my back on God and disbelief. Thank you, Lord, that he is a God of many, many chances because I needed all yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, jumping to where I got saved, um, I spent three years in one of the country's largest women's correctional facilities in prison. Wow. So, hey, Rhea, let me interrupt yeah. you. Everybody on stage, hold that mic close to your mouth. Or okay. It, it'll ring. All right, so that's the part that yeah. when you shared your testimony, it shocked me. So you spent three full years. Three full, a little bit more, um, not c counting jail time because, you know, totally different. Yeah. But, um, yeah, three full years. It was really, really tough, but extremely easy at the same time because of the Lord. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have the Lord during that time, I wouldn't have made it. Um, but, you know, as I told Rife, as cliche as it is, you know, I found God, Jesus on a jail cell floor. That's exactly how it went. Wow. And um, my life has completely been transformed ever since. Um, you know. So what, what was it? That's awesome. Come on. What was it? So you're in, in prison, not jail, or you're in prison. Jail first, then right. prison, because, but, you know, you... So you found him in jail? Yeah. Okay, so that was pre-prison. Pre-prison, but um, never got out. You know what I mean? It was like jail, court, prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Baldwin County or somewhere mm -hmm. else? Baldwin County. And wow. then, uh, how did you find Jesus and what made you come to a point where it's like, man, I gotta find Jesus. I was extremely tired. My soul was tired. Um, I, I was exhausted. That's the only kind of, you know, I really love a certain book in the Bible, Ezekiel, and it's chapter 37, where he's talking about like dead bones and God breathes life into us. I, I was dead. There's no other way to kind of explain that. And when I found Jesus or, you know, it, I could breathe, I could take a breath I know that's kind of hard to make sense, but that's it. That's how it was from for a lot of people that come off of the streets and a lot. Jail surprisingly is a safe haven for a lot of people, mm. wow. and you find that surprising because you would think, oh, it's just, you know. But a lot of people coming off of the streets, they don't have to. They they're being fed. They're being yeah. you know. So when God speaks about you know be kind to those in jail. There's, there's reasons for that, you know? Yeah, Not everybody absolutely. comes from the same walks of life where you would think that's so mm -hmm. low for someone, that could be a very high point in their life. So, so while you're in Baldwin County Jail, what was somebody preaching to you, Holy Spirit just ministering to you? What was the convicting power where you experienced that? So about three weeks before I went to jail, I had a friend, a very good friend. She later passed away. Um, but she told me, we were on the beach, and she said, isn't this a beautiful day that God has given us? And, you know, I scuffed and huffed and puffed. And, you know, that planted that seed in me. Mm. And then when I got to jail and started to, you know, come off of everything from under the sun and realized what was happening... Um, the, the women at night there would just, oh, it was so beautiful. They would sing like old hymns. Uh -huh. Like we would sing ourselves to sleep essentially. And they would just sing old hymns. Some of them we sang maybe two weeks ago, you know, just older style hymns, just like Amazing Grace and, um, Old Rugged Cross, like really old. Yeah, and it was just yeah. something about those old oh, hymns. Cool. And it just would churn in my spirit until I guess, Finally, when I realized how tired I was, I was like, you know, I've done this 20 some odd years my way. It did not work. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's try the Lord's way. And it's been working. So that is so cool. <laughs> it's um, been working and it works really well. So a seed was planted because we're talking about testify and, and testify. So many people have like this really religious 
Like, well, the Lord, you know, like really, really religious mindset. But that woman, whoever your friend was, was testifying of the glory of God's creative power. When she said, look at this day. Like, she didn't break out any Jesus was on the cross. Nothing subtle and it stuck with me and never underestimate the power of your words to someone. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and when you're saying that, you know, the scripture that comes to, to me is like, there's no, the scripture says there's no excuse for anyone to not know the Lord because he is revealed in creation. And so, you know, this woman, she's just like, wow, look at this amazing day the Lord has given us today. And I don't know, she probably wasn't even thinking about, and I'm going to plant a seed in Rhea's heart, you know, like that she had no, you weren't her pet project. There was no, she was just giving glory to God. And I want you guys to just take in that moment of like, wow, the power of your words. And even though I huffed and puffed, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, God was like, just wait, you're going to see what happens. You know, you won't be huffing and puffing later. But like I said, thankfully, he's the God of many chances. So, you know. How many years ago was that? Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Oh, you're fine. Um, That was nine years ago. Well, when I found God, it's probably now like 12, 13, 14 in that range. But um, so essentially, I got out of prison on September 18th in 2014. It was the day before my birthday. Which is now, it's the 23rd of September, or 24th, so that was nine years ago. So nine years ago, I was fresh out. (laughs) And if I didn't have a friend that encouraged me to come to Destiny when we were on 98, I wouldn't be here in front of you today. (laughs) Yeah, so so Jordan, right? Because I remember Jordan coming up to me and she's like, now, Pastor Wright, I've got somebody <laughs> coming. And she's been through a rough time and, you know, she's just getting out of jail. So I don't want you to judge her or anything. <laughs> All right, man, I got a family in prison. Rife has been, about? he's been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Mama Shay, incredible the entire step of the way, you know. So, so um, before I move on, uh, in your testimony, you said something about um, a venture, like you have, you have a really creative, innovative, and entrepreneurial spirit about you. Like, I mean, really yeah. a business type uh, woman. Um, so because of how easy oh, wait, I should have said, is that? Are you ready? <laughs> no, for that? yeah, that's because you fine. put it in the testimony. Yeah, because of how spiritually easy that my time was because of the Lord. I cannot, there's, it, all the credit belongs to him, right? Um, you know, I did a lot of self-help reading. I did a lot of spiritual, it was literally like a spiritual boot camp. Um, so I essentially have created this program called Empowerment to Purpose. Eventually, when I kind of launch it, would love to speak at rehabs and jails and, and prisons. Um, but it is, just to help people spiritually, um, mentally, and physically. I'm also um, an instructor, a, a fitness instructor, so I would do a lot of things to help people learn how to exercise. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as part of the, the mental part, you know, just a lot of positive affirmation type stuff too because people from these walks of life have may never heard anything positive about themselves and I've found that a lot like they're they were never told you can be something great right and when you've never been told those type of things and you've only been looked down upon that's what you think about yourself so um you know thank god we have the bible that promotes us up but some people haven't even been exposed to that so wow yeah. Well, praise the Lord for that. That's <laughs> exciting. Did y'all, yeah. isn't that cool to see what God did? So we're going to jump down here and, uh, and my friend Marilyn, like, it's like, she didn't want to really come up here, but I'm like, Marilyn, you've got to share that. Like, it's such a powerful transformation of what God did. So um, you weren't really raised in a Christian home, no. a little bit Catholic, but... My parents never went to Mass, but they sent us all to church 
um, because my mother was raised Catholic. But there was never any talk about God. We certainly didn't live a godly life. My parents were very wrapped up in each other and didn't give a darn about their kids. We weren't beaten or starved, but we were definitely abused. I was never told I was anything but fat and ugly, always a fat kid. And uh, fat to my father was equal to ugly and repulsive. And I can remember in high school him telling me, you look like a sack of potatoes in that bathing suit, and no man is ever going to want you if you don't lose weight. Wow. Well, I got out of my parents' home at the end of high school, and my twin sister uh, went to college, and I moved to San Francisco. I married the first man who ever told me I was beautiful and loved me, and um, he wasn't a very good guy. Uh, this was in the 60s, the mid-60s, and uh, my son was born in 65. I wasn't married when I had my child. Um, by the 67, 68, the hippie movement was rampant in San Francisco, and we fell right into it. We were first when we were first married, we were both working straight jobs. Uh, and within a year, we were both... I was... Uh, he was dealing drugs, mostly pot and speed, and I was a prostitute. I was working out of a bar in the Tenderloin turning $20 tricks. I wallowed in that life, completely drugged out and drinking, drinking first thing in the morning for four years. And God brought me to my knees. I, I found myself at St. Boniface Catholic Church. I went in and just fell on the altar, weeping, and the priest came in, and he put his arms around me, and he told me how much God loved me and would forgive me for all this. And he said, you've got to get out of here. Go back to your parents. My parents, who I never felt, loved me. He said, they will take you back in. I called my parents, and they didn't particularly want me, but they certainly wanted my baby son, their first grandchild, who they adored. They said, of course, come home. From that moment, I have served God. Come on. But Praise the Lord. you have no idea what he has brought me through. You have no idea. That first husband who turned me out and made me a hooker, um, disappeared out of my life. I left him. I met my second husband, and I said, all I want to do is go to college. He was a swimming pool uh, contractor, and I didn't have to work, so I went back to college. I graduated with a degree in sociology, psychology, psychology major, sociology uh, minor, and became a social worker. I worked for 20 years as a social worker, as a, uh, a carnal Christian. I went to church on Sundays, but I always still smoked pot and drank occasionally. And I was perfectly content to live that way, thinking, uh, hey, God loves me, I love him, I'm a Christian. Without realizing that, guess what, you're not a Christian. Um, so after the divorce of my second husband, I met my third husband, who was on fire for God. He was a Vietnam vet who'd been a medic, and so, of course, he had drug problems, too. And so we, he introduced me to the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We moved to Oklahoma, got all involved in Kenneth Hagin's ministry. Uh, we would go down to Tulsa on the weekends and go to camp meetings and revivals and, and all kinds of stuff because Tulsa was the Jerusalem of America at that time. I mean, you know, John Osteen and, and Oral Roberts and Carlton Pearson. And I mean, there were so many, many wonderful pastors in that area. And it really was like Jerusalem. So uh, my life started slowly changing without, uh, without any effort on my part at all. God cleaned me up. And I didn't want to do those things anymore. Uh, 
But I did want to go back to school because I wanted to serve people. And um, I particularly wanted to be a medical missionary, which is what made me go to nursing school. I went to nursing school, graduated, worked in a hospital, and started doing medical missions. Hmm. I spent 15 years in the medical missionary field. 15. And 15. Uh, on five continents, North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And uh, my last missionary trip was in 2017 to Haiti. But, boy, I'll tell you, Africa was the thing that changed my life. I, was in, I went to Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, and that was, woo, talk about life-changing. I saw miracles, I mean real miracles. Saw a woman receive her hearing. She was deaf, and she received her hearing. We went to the garbage dumps and met the people who live in the garbage dump. And I mean, it was miraculous, miraculous wow. meetings. I, on Sunday, it was like everything was outdoors. They had no buildings. It was just, I didn't want to do anything but missions. I was just starving to do missions. Mm -hmm. And God gave me that chance. He gave me the desire of my heart. I had... There was nothing I wanted to do more than missions, and boy, did he give me missions. And in Cambodia, and oh my gosh, and those people who still had their weapons, the Khmer Rouge from, from the war, the Vietnam War, and the thousands of people who had no limbs from the landmines, and you know, Sri Lanka, which was really interesting. I went to Sri Lanka twice. Because how cool is this, though? God took you from the prostitution to the prophetic. And, uh, but isn't this cool? The transformation is unbelievable that somebody was in it, And she didn't want to share that. And I'm like, Marilyn, please. Like, please. There is glory in that. Just to see where God can take somebody who's like at their lowest. And uh, so, so thank you so much uh, for sharing that. Um, Brandon, let's jump back down to you. Um, so I've known you since you were about 15, I think, maybe 14 or 15. Yeah, 13, 14. Um, and uh, know a lot about your, your family, but I moved away from here for a number of years. And then, you know, and I, tell us a little bit about... So, um, so yeah, I'm a church kid, so I grew up in church. Um, I remember crawling under the pews in the, uh, where the town hall is in Loxley now that used to be Loxley Church of God when it first started. I remember crawling around under the pews there and uh, going to, to children's church in what, what is the Piggly Wiggly? Well, what, the old Canes was right yeah, there. Yeah. So Jerry Taylor was, was my um, children's pastor. Um, I got saved around seven. I remember at youth camp specifically, um, it, it happened to be Jerry Taylor was doing the, um, uh, the, the production, well not production, but the right. ministry yeah. there. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I remember specifically the night going down there and giving my heart to Jesus and, um, Coming back, this sticks out to me for some reason, but coming back, uh, I noticed the girl that uh, I was going to the banquet with, right? I'm seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, started talking to my friend, like, because I went up front, I come back, like, she doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Like, I don't know why. Anyway, that just sticks out to me. I don't know why I went there, but... <laughs> um, yeah, right? Um, so, yeah, so I was saved at 7. I was baptized probably around 10. Um, and then middle school happened. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, that's just a rough age. So, I mean, it was all about trying to fit in and... Um, you know, I was I was I was raised in church, but the family part of it, like the home life, wasn't God centered, right? It was uh, that's important. So so church was religious, like yeah. it was a religious thing. That's what we did on Sunday mornings. 
you know, you get up, you go to church. My mom played the piano there since she was six years old. So, like, so there's a, you're not saying your, it could have been, but you're not sure. saying your church was religious. Correct. You're saying your family experience of church life was religious. Correct. And, and I think that whole generation, like, I, I don't, I don't want to say that, but most of the people in that specific church, they don't see that, but, but it becomes religious. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it was a separate life. So there was home life and there was church life. Wow. So my dad didn't go. It was my mom's thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there were Sunday nights where I wanted to stay home with dad, you know, watch TV or whatever. Um, I guess it's you, Jerry Taylor was my, was my children's pastor. And then I think I was with him one like when I was in sixth grade for youth pastor. And then he left, started his church, and you came in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you were my youth pastor. Uh, same guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was different, right? It, was, it really was different. You brought it down to um, a level that it, that it was, it was relationship. It wasn't religious, religious, mm-hmm. you know, that's and good. that's, that's even as I got older, you know, I didn't realize that looking back now I see it. Yeah. Um, but, it, but when I was in, you know, in that time, I didn't see it. I was still worried about hanging out, you know, with my friends and, um, you know, trying to be cool and all that stuff. So, it, but as you know, from a young age, it was pressed into me. And I thank God for that. If I hadn't been for that, I feel like if I hadn't been saved that early and, and, you know, had the knowledge and upbringing that I have, I wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thank God for that. Uh, was there a time in your, your life where you just kind of, you just walked away from the Lord and what? Oh, well, not really. He was always there. It was more of... Like, not like, hey, God, you're not real. I'm not becoming atheist or agnostic. Never, but never it's just that. like, hey, I ain't doing this whole thing anymore. Yeah. It was, um, I know you're there, but I don't want to be like that. So I've never done that. Yeah. From the time I've been saved, I've always been faithful in my relationship to the Lord. Sure. How does that feel? I couldn't imagine. I don't. I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. How does that feel? Rebellious. Like that's the point of it. You know. Like I even. Uh, I love music. Music's always been a part of my life. I didn't realize it back then, but um, as I got older, um, I, I started playing drums. Probably nine, ten years old. What's supposed to play them? They were my, it was my brother's set, so I'd sneak out there and mm. play. You know. Um, but ne- never, never thought about playing drums at church or anything like that. I would mess around with them at church, you know, just because mm-hmm. we were hanging out or whatever. But, um, but as I got older in my teenage years, um, I got involved with playing band in bands, um, and I really liked heavy music. Um, and a lot of that music, as you know, people say it's satanic. Well, you almost have to embrace that. Um, with that style music. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I flirted with some disaster. <laughs> so, so you went, like, really hardcore away from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that, he was there, but yeah, I just didn't care. Right, you know? right, right. But, like, you know, just a, hey, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Did you ever have a, I, in the back of your head somewhere, like, I'm going to come back yes. on my terms yeah. when I want to or something like that. Absolutely. It was always not yet. It was a not yeah. yet deal. Um, like I'm just going to sow my oats and I'll get back to you at some point. Right. What was that point? What was the point that brought you like, I got to quit doing this and I, I got to pursue the Lord. wasn't really a specific point. It was just me finally maturing, I guess. Um, well, this could be a really long story. <laughs> um, 
I got I got involved in the short. whole. Do you remember the truth movement? Like when everybody was looking at conspiracy theories and this and that and the other. Well, I was always searching for the truth. Mm-hmm. I knew the truth, but I you know other things. I felt like we had been lied to and deceived, so I started researching. Yeah. Uh, you know, got lost in that for for quite a while. Um, and it all led me back to the truth. Yeah. Which Cause, is because that's the the thing about truth. If you're looking for truth, it, that's it. You'll find there's it. only one truth and a source of truth, and it is truth. That's right. Um, let me ask you this. So you you and I haven't talked about it, mm-hmm. but uh, did did you ever serve in church? And were completely lost spiritually. I'm asking. I don't know. Um, no, because okay. it, 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 double-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Like I could be church guy at church, yeah. uh, but when I was doing that, my outside wasn't, you know, terrible. Right. Um, but it probably wasn't what it should have been because it, it was always a works mentality. Yeah. Um, so performance. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm doing the good thing. I'm going to church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God likes me. You know what I mean? Instead of God loves me, I love God, so now I want to go do this stuff for him. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, but, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a mind shift that I had to get to. It was a revelation, really, of mind, body, spirit, spirit, body, soul, like, my will, his will. Mm-hmm. And I never, I always fed my will. So that became the dominant force in my life. Yeah. But when I finally realized that I just need to surrender that will to his will and everything I do, that's when it clicked, man. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That just kind of a gradual was coming on, yeah, on yeah. you wasn't like some epiphany no. type moment. No. I mean, you know, if I ever was in a tight situation, something crazy was happening, where did I turn to yeah. prayer? Yeah. You know, through all of that, I was always praying. Yeah. Um, not consistently, mm-hmm. but it was an ongoing conversation, I guess. And we just didn't talk to each other for a while. <laughs> uh, l- let me uh, ask you this, and we'll move on to, to Larry, and we'll kind of bounce back uh, with these last three. Do you think that you were a source of heartbreak for uh, your family? Absolutely. Like spiritually, like your Well, not really heartbreak. that, um, but uh, the expectations were set so high, like... I'm kind of the opposite of um, not getting told that I could do something. You're going to do great things, right? So not living up to that potential is um, devastating. And, um, yeah, self-worth, self-esteem was always an issue um, because of that. Uh, Everything was so work, you know, um, focused. Like that's, you know, that's what we're, that's, that's the most important thing in this family is what are you going to do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for work? How are you going to provide for yourself? Not give your life to God, seek God first yeah and his righteousness and everything else you don't right. have to worry about, right? right. So, right. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. So I've already repented to you for this and, uh, and everything you may, I guess you might remember it, but, but I, I repented to you one time years ago because I'm like, um, I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I just kind of wrote you off. (laughs) Remember, do you remember that? I don't. Uh, well I did. (laughs) uh, I believe you. I believe, but but I'm like, man, I'm sorry. And, and, and this is like when we were in that other building and you you came in and there was something that you were at and then you disappeared again or whatever. And, um, and I'm like, you know, I'm just sorry because, like, I've seen you in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and it's just like, I just kind of like, uh, enough already. Right. And we've got to be so careful that we don't do that to people. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, I'm not proud of that. Yeah. 
But we've got to be so careful that we don't because he's the God of 70 times seven. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, All right. So in our, in our uh, last little bit of time together, I, we have to get one guy that was saved since he's been in the womb (laughs) uh, up here. And uh, so Larry, so, you know, so many times people want these like, horror story testimonies and I want Larry to tell us a little bit about his um I think what he's talking about is his Damascus Road experience y'all remember that one where he was knocked down and you know all of a sudden well I'm probably one of the oldest people in the room and I've probably been going to church longer than any of you because I started when I was in the womb at nine months before I came out and been going to church ever since but you know I don't have the story like uh, Marilyn or Dorena. I, I don't have those horror stories. My whole life, if I could write a book about a perfect life, it would have been mine. My parents loved God. We were at church more than anybody except the pastor, and he lived next door to the church. So, and I remember all the good times. You were talking about no fun. When I was in church, it was a blast. We did things together, and, and it, was, it was our life. But one of the things that, that today, and I'll get to it in just a minute, but one of the things that I, looking back, saw that my parents recognized they needed a family to raise their four kids. That was a church family. And I can name people in, in my life that have affected my life from the church and relate to them easier than I can my flesh and blood relatives because it was a family. And they treated it that, and they took their kids to that family and allowed the family to pour into our life. So uh, this morning, I got to say this. I I was saved at 12 years old. I remember walking down the aisle. It was on that side of the building. And I walking down the aisle that night, And the next Sunday I was baptized and I remember the feeling I had when I came up out of the water. I still feel it today when I try to remember what that feeling was. It was a clean that I've never felt. And uh, at 12 years old. So you don't have to be 45. As a matter of fact, if you're not saved young, your chances are you're not going to get saved later according to statistics. But I remember that and... um, I've all my life I've sought God in my own way, you know, reading, going to church, listening, da 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 da. And I had a guy one day, not too awful many years ago, that came up to me. He was a man of God, and he said, "Larry, you've got to release what's in you because you've got stuff that you've got to let out about the Lord." The first prophetic word this man gave to me when I was in this church, when I first started coming here, confirmed what that guy said five years earlier. Hmm. And I wanna, I'm going to put a plug in for this. Mm-hmm. Pastor Shameless talked about plug this alert. three weeks ago. How much I get paid? <laughs> Pastor talked about this in men's group three weeks ago. What you don't understand, if you're not a part of that men's prayer meeting on Tuesday night, you have no idea where we've come. In four years, we've seen, we've prayed for things and prayed for things, and we're starting to see them manifest. Two or three weeks ago, when Melissa did what she did down from an awesome move of God, it was here today. The, the power was in this room today, the presence of God, unlike. I won't say unlike it's ever been before, but, but it's, we're, that's an answer to our prayer on Tuesday night. We want the presence of God in this place. So anyway, I, the man told me, the man of God said, Larry, you're, he called me fat. He said, you're so full of the word of God, but you're just holding it in. And it confirms your, your word this morning, Alan. We got to let it out so we can put more in. Yeah. And so then I remembered this book uh, that we're going to, that pastor's going to, I guess he's going to teach it. I'm not. But anyway, uh, (laughs) we're going to start a story. Guys, this is for every one of you. 
Yeah, it's not it's just not for, for guys. We're opening up. It's not for a few. It's for every one of us. And we need, and especially in this season and time, I read the book since I, I picked it up. Uh, I ordered it after Pastor said, and I read the book. And mine's all highlighted. Now, this one's for sale. I've stolen it off the desk out there. But um, mine's all highlighted. I'm telling you, it, it's an older book. And I'm an older guy, but sharing the gospel is, is so basic in this thing. It is, yeah. it, it's a great book. So come be a part of that. But I, I'll say this, and then I'll finish. I always wanted to have a Damascus Road experience as my testimony. And a guy told me one time, he said, Larry, your testimony, most people that have those Damascus roads wish they had yours instead. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and so after he told me that, I'm okay with where I am. I've loved God yeah. all my life. I've been exposed to him Come all on. my life, and I'll continue to love him. So uh, with, with Larry, um, so he's been saved his whole life practically. Uh, he's, so you've led a men's group, uh, I forget the number of years, but it's 20, so listen, 30 years he's led a men's group consistently, like, and ongoing for 30 years, that's, that's a lot, I mean, to, glor to God's glory. Also, I'll say that Larry is one of the most generous people that I know, like, in financially, um, serving wise and, you know, and all of that. And at the same time, he's not perfect. Like, you know, none of us on this place are, but to the glory of God, he works through imperfect people. Um, so Melissa, let's, let's, uh, go to you and let me preface it real quick. So, uh, we're at the end and, and I, I just want to, uh, you guys to give us some abridged versions of like, when did you get saved? I got saved when I was 18 years old. Okay. Um, we were not raised in a Christian home. Um, my father was extremely abusive. I'm the sixth of six. And um, my only interaction with my father was ever a slap, a punch, a wow. strangle. Um, so I learned how to be really quiet and kind of tiptoe around all the time and just I started from the time as long back as I can remember of just making myself feel numb so that I could function so um, I um, was just sort of going through life and I became a teenager and got into a lot of drugs and partying and um, one day I was at work at the bakery and my brother came in bawling and crying, we rushed to the hospital. My mom died of a massive heart attack at when I was 16 years old. And my father threw me out, um, threw all my clothes out in the front yard, and at, at I was out 16. Wow. So I was still in high school. So um, I basically finished high school living out of my car or couch surfing. Um, but I did manage to finish high school. And then I moved the day after high school from South Florida to the Florida Panhandle. Got in right back into the partying with a bunch of people and met my um, ex-husband and became pregnant as a teenager. And um, my reaction was I was going to have an abortion. And um, I went and had the appointment and they were like, you don't have to even give us your name. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of like getting your tooth pulled. It might hurt a little bit. And I just had this uneasy feeling in my heart. And the day came for the appointment, and my boyfriend, who later became my husband, came to pick me up. And I said, you know what? I just, I can't do this. I'm sorry. And so we decided to get married, and I had Hunter wave at us. <laughs> wow. I had wow. Hunter. And wow. instead of Hunter becoming one in a million aborted babies in the United States, he's one in a million men serving God Come right on. now. Come on. Come on. When you hear Look, those words that wow. he sings and those words he writes, you should know the whole story, right? Yes. So I got saved when I was 18 on Mother's Day. I'll never forget it because I was a very broken person. But Hunter also, as when I became pregnant, saved my life because I got off all drugs at that point. Mm. Um, Come on. Because I had to be a mom. 
But I, I, got, I was at a little bitty church of God in Niceville, Florida, kneeled down at the altar, totally broken, missing my mom. I was 18, and yeah. I was a mom, and I had a baby. I didn't know how to raise this baby. And um, I stayed married to um, Scott for six years, and we had mm. three little boys. Um, he didn't want to give up the party lifestyle. He's a kid too, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I did, so we got um, divorced, and I took my three babies, and we went to the projects. I lived in the projects for a long time, and I, at that point, wanted to go to college. I'd always wanted to go to college. I was always the smartest kid in my class and um, was planning to go off and finish my engineering degree at Georgia Tech when I met my um, husband, Neil, and we got married, and I had a fourth boy, and it seems like it was just always a repeat of my father, the abuse, the manipulation, the total control, and I just had to be numb all the time. And I, I didn't use alcohol or anything like that. I was numb emotionally because I didn't know how to process abuse like that. I just didn't. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. So this is the first time I've given my testimony like this. This is my voice. Wow, wow. So the first time, this is the first time. I've spoken to people about it one-on-one, -on -one, but I've never wow. given my voice. Wow. Praise the Lord. So I got another one of those phone calls in 2007, and it was my ex-husband on the phone. And I was like, I got to call you back. I was having breakfast with my, my best friend up in New York. I, was at, I finally had my dream to go on to college, and I was at an Ivy League school. I was finishing up my master's degree. She said, he said, I have to talk to you. Christopher's been killed. It's my number two son. And I was like, huh, what, what are you saying to me right now? He said, yeah, he got killed on his way to work today. And I just collapsed in the parking lot. And um, this is also part of Hunter's testimony. If y'all don't know Hunter, he's, we've all been through some things, right? Every person in this room has been through some stuff. And we see and meet people at the point in their life that they're at at that moment. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know the tears they've cried. We don't know the beatings maybe that they've taken we don't, we just don't know. We don't know the times their bodies racked in pain and they can't get out of bed. But the Lord. Come on, that's right. <laughs> he has a plan and he'll, he won't leave us and won't forsake us. He never left me in my time of despair. And walking through the death of my son was the worst thing in my life. But again, let me tell you about my son, Hunter. We stood over his body laying on ice with the funeral directors, and we started to command life into his body. We spoke life for hours, but it didn't happen. God did not raise my son from the dead, even though I asked and I cried and I begged and believed and I quoted scripture. We really thought that it was going to happen, but I that's a part of my testimony, too, because sometimes we just don't get the answers that we think we want. When I think of Mayola, the first, I think the first thing I ever heard you say one time was, I expect every day when I get up to be healed. There's a time when prayers are delayed or not answered and we don't understand, but we still have to go through in faith, don't we? That's, That's what we do. Um, so anyway, after a 30-year marriage... Um, my marriage exploded through a lot of cheating and just adultery and all sorts of horrible things and finally ending in physical abuse. And this is all part of God giving me a voice. God literally just brought me to Daphne, Alabama. I was a professor for 10 years after getting my doctorate degree. And um, I got out of teaching. He opened a door for me to get a job in Daphne, Alabama, so that I could support myself and make better money. And then about a year later, Hunter and his family moved here. I was trying to get back closer to home to Florida. And God is restoring the things Come that on. the enemy That's stole right. from me. Come on. <laughs> so this is part of my testimony. 
so then I met a beautiful man, Randy, and we got married last month. <laughs> so wave at everybody, Randy. Say hello. <laughs> and he's the sweetest, kindest thing. When we got married and we said our vows, I was talking about 1 Corinthians 13 in the love chapter. Love is gentle and kind. That is the definition of Randy. That's awesome. Gentle and kind. So he brought me from a place of, of people, and particularly men, being mean and aggressive and hateful and manipulative to someone who's loving and kind. He's accepted my family, and that is going to be with me. So I'm just grateful to God. And I just want to encourage, especially the single moms out there, man, is that a hard road to hoe sometimes. There's times when, I'm sorry to say this in front of my son, but I wanted to take my life. I literally had to get a death grip on the steering wheel to keep from plowing my car into a pillar or a tree. Because I felt like, what's the point? You're a loser. Look at you, you're pathetic. Mm. People made fun of me all the time for being a young mom with three kids. They'd call my kids Huey, Dewey, and Louie because they're only three years between the three of them. Don't say dumb stuff like that, people. That's, like, don't you say just dumb don't know. Stuff. Don't speak that garbage over my yeah. family. My Amen. children are wonderful gifts I've, of God. Hey, I'm telling you, I've corrected people from speaking over my children before. I'm like, please don't speak that over my child. So, so single mama. Praise God. You have a purpose. You don't know how far that arrow that you've been given is going to go when you pull that bow back. Come on. So I know time's out, so I won't say anything. Isn't this amazing, though, this testimony? Because, like, uh, I don't know, so many things about your testimony stuck out. But I had no idea that Hunter, uh, like, he was slated for abortion. Uh, But, like, man, just... Just, just, just look though, man, what, you know, yeah, really for what God has done and, and like the, the creative things that were not silenced. Um, so Glenna, I want you to take me to the point because you said something this morning about you, the way that you were baptized. Okay. Um, so take us somewhere in that area okay. uh, of your salvation experience. All right. Quick synopsis at the beginning. I'm the second of four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three brothers. <clears throat> so I grew up in a, a boy-filled home, and I prided myself on being a tomboy. And uh, when we got to the teenage years, I decided, well, psh, guys are all about one-night stands. And I kind of took that on for myself. Mm. So in my really promiscuous years, that was kind of my banner that I was going to try and get as many one night stands as I see all these guys doing, because why is it any different for us than it is for them? Mm. And so I did that for a long time. And, um, my senior year of high school, I moved down to Miami with my dad Almost didn't make it because the year before, my mom went down to take my brother his car. And after spending two or three days around my dad, she came back on, you're not moving down there. You know, divorcees, like keep them apart. Um, so anyway, I did. I moved down to Miami and that was rough. The first day I was there, I was introduced to cocaine my very first mm, day. Wow. So, you know, I was a party girl already. And um, it wasn't until early 80s, I have something similar to Rhea's. I just got to the point where I was like tired. I was so tired. And I remember being in my bedroom and just remembering the times I had been to church with my grandmother. Every time I ever went to church with her, which was not very often, How Great Thou Art was on the list of songs. Every single time. Mm. And I remember just looking up and saying, God, there just has to be more than this. I just know there has to be more to life than this. And not long after that, I had this strange experience where I went to sleep. And when I woke up, 
I was I had these wild like dreams, mm-hmm. battles kind of things going yeah. on yeah. while I was asleep and it I was totally disoriented when I woke up and I found out through the evening cuz I woke up in the evening. I had been like dead asleep to the world for 14 hours. Like people were trying to get a hold of me. People came and knocked on my door and they were calling me and I was just God put me totally under. And I wish I could tell you all that happened during that time, but it made a profound impact on me. And, um, you know, I finally did get saved, turned my life over to him in 1987. And it was kind of radical because I was married, had one child, and... My brother wanted me to come back to work for him. I had worked for my dad in the boat canvas business, seamstress. And then my brother, I worked for him for a while. And then he lost his seamstress. Like, she and her boyfriend took off. He was going to captain a ship, and they were gone indefinitely. And so my brother wanted me to come back, but the Lord had been drawing me. See, I didn't realize I wasn't really saved at this point because... I knew the Lord was drawing me and I was going through a lot of the motions and, and all of that. And, uh, I had to stand up to my brother on the phone one day and say, I can't come to work for you. And I knew enough at that point about spiritual warfare that I was praying against what was going on with him and his anger while he was talking to me. And he finally calmed down and he was like, I said, he's not going to let your livelihood fall to pieces because I decide to take a stand. Mm -hmm. Because I was taking a stand not just for me, but for my family. You know, my grandmother was the one who gave us things about the Lord, gave us Bibles, prayed for us. You know, she was the one Mm. that really poured into us. My mom grew up in church, but I think her heart was broken so badly over what happened between her and her dad that, you know, We became the party house at our town. Uh, We were the party house. So uh, my brother said that to me, or I said that to him. He's not going to let your livelihood die just because I take a stand. And he finally, like, totally changed and said, all right, but please just ask him to hurry, will you? (laughs) Somebody who didn't claim to know God at all, but he was finally like, okay, just ask him to hurry. So any two weeks later, I found out, he didn't put an advertisement in his window at the store. He didn't add, take an ad in the paper. He didn't do anything. And a lady walked in his door that had 40 years experience. Yeah. 40 years. Anybody recognize that number? Mm-hmm. And then I found out later on, she only wanted to be there long enough to make money to pay for a child's wedding or whatever, recoup her money. And my brother's seamstress came back completely unexpected. Wow. So I would have been without a job anyway. Wow. So anyway, the part that Rife is referring to, because there is a whole lot else that went on in there. I, I was with a group of people that didn't meet in church. I hadn't really, I had not belonged to a church like this. We just met and went and did whatever the spirit said to do. And the day I got baptized, They just decided, well, look, here's a ditch on the side of the road. Let's do baptisms. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to jump. I couldn't even like just walk down. I had literally had to jump into, it was in South Florida. You don't know what you're going to find in there. Lord Jesus. I had to jump into, yeah, yeah, (laughs) alligators. I had to jump into this ditch and get baptized. And so what I was telling Rife is, you know, I think destiny, well, I know destiny has been called to be different. And I was trying to encourage him and say, don't be afraid of different. I love different because I had to jump into that ditch when I, when that period of my life ended and I went to find a church, the first church I found, the Lord just kept pointing things out to me that were not right. Mm. And so I finally realized I had to leave there. And I went and talked to the pastor to tell him while I was leaving. And the man actually said to me, I am not an arbiter of truth. 
Now, you know you got to run fast out the door when the man who's supposed to represent the one who is truth tells you he is not an arbiter of truth. And so the Lord led me to a Baptist church, and I fell in love with people there, and that's where I eventually met my husband. He came to town, and that's a whole love story. Yeah. But... I was the weirdo who was on my knees and on my face praying and crying. And, you know, these Baptist people were kind of like, we don't really know what to do with her, but we love her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that is the part he wanted me to get to just to say, God doesn't do everything the same way everywhere Mm -hmm. or with everybody, but we all have a thread, you know, we all have that thread. We can all listen to each other's stories and go, oh, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And he's just so good that way. He's so good. So praise God. So when I look, yeah, yeah. So when I look at all of you guys and all of your, you know, I see, man, you guys have so many different things in your worlds that I cannot necessarily minister from the place that you can minister from. You know, you guys have so many experiences that I feel like God, uh, if you keep this stuff to yourself, that's the point of testifying. If you keep it to yourself and see how, how the body of Christ is so cool that, uh, Maybe Brandon's testimony won't have the same effect uh, that somebody that that uh, Larry's talking to, or vice versa. You know, it's like God uses us all. I want us uh, as we as we wrap up because this is we're going to wrap this series up, the Testify series, and it's all about sharing your story, um, and your story and his story come together to make your history.